This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 282. My name's Brian Vincent Weber. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, we're still unpacking from New Orleans. Uh, well, yeah, I haven't really unpacked my suitcase, to be honest. Tales of the Cocktail 2019 is uh, in the books, but uh, we have some interviews for you, and we'll get right into one right here. And then after that, we're going to talk to Zach Peace, who opened a new bar in Manhattan. It's called My Friend Dukes, and I was invited to a nice event there just uh, about a week ago. Oh, by the way, you're going to hear in the background, uh, if you've ever been to the French Quarter of New Orleans, there's always kids playing drums. Actually, they're uh, like plastic buckets upside down. And uh, so you'll hear a little bit of that in the background from the street. So, Brian, thank you very much for for this interview. And uh, my name is Alberto Vollmer. I'm the CEO of a 223-year-old rum company called Santa Teresa that's based in Venezuela. Wow. Um, and uh, it's a family business that continues to be a family business. Great. Um, and, uh, well, apart from that, a uh, whole bunch of other things that have to do with Venezuela, which is a which is a, a bumpy place right now. Is it? Yeah. So there's political unrest or what, what is, what's going on? Yeah, I guess is, there's political unrest. Uh, you know, we've got all these sanctions now. For instance, we've got a, it's become a no-fly zone. Um, and we have, uh, so we have this dispute between, uh, you know, uh, the government that's in place and, of course, the international community and, and the opposition. Uh, we've had, last year we had uh, inflation that has been, you know, the official figure, is, I think it was something like 150,000% inflation. Uh, the, the ex, uh, let's say the opposition figures is close to 2 million percent inflation. Which is, somebody yeah. told me a story. They said they were in Venezuela, and they they told you it's better to uh, pay for your meal each course because the the price goes up by the end of dinner, and the price is going to be much more. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> no, it's just amazing. It's uh, you know the 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 whole uh, dynamics of the economy, and of course that meant there were and there were all the other uh, manipulations of economy where you have uh, price. So you had a a currency exchange control measure, and you had price controls and what what happens when you have a price control on anything you know if you you control the price of toilet paper then of course toilet paper disappears and then you have a and especially if you've got this galloping inflation rate uh, because of course everybody will go broke if they sell at those prices and so so you didn't have any of that you didn't have you couldn't get uh, or you had at a, can you imagine at a certain moment we had five different um, Official exchange rates. So, oh, and of course, then you have all these black market <laughs> well, must, things. It must make it very difficult to do business. Very difficult to do. Yeah. Actually, difficult to stay uh, to survive. Actually, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, as a business yeah. or as a well, sometimes even as an individual. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, we'll just mention we're we're here at uh, the Royal Sinesta, and outside is a drummer. So that's what you're hearing in the background. We'll just mention that. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> <They're> just... <laughs> wondering on the on Bourbon Street. There's always uh, somebody playing drums on the. On the five-gallon drum. I, I thought it was they were rolling the, the, the drums thanks to the uh, interview. I think uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like background that. sound, yeah, yeah. background <laughs> music. Yeah. Well, tell us about the brand. It's been around how long? Did you say since 1796? Uh, wow. Yeah, the SNO was founded in 1796. Um, this was just before our independence. Um, so that that's been in October. It will be 223 years. Wow. And uh, and it's great, you know. It's I, I, I actually love uh, defying all the probabilities and staying, you know, actually surviving in such a complicated environment is is always great. You, you like know, the makes challenge? You, yeah, I like the challenge. <laughs> we we like to smile back at adversity, and it it's uh, it's it always makes it ex- you know work is always exciting. I'm sure you have a large staff, and you employ a lot of the local people. That's right. We've busy, yeah. we've got around uh, 600 people in wow. the company. 
and of course, we 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 do a lot of stuff in the community also, and and um, and actually, the the idea is to be basically a tool for for social transformation as a as a company. That's what we like to do. So, uh, is there a particular style? Venezuela does it have a particular style of rum, or um, is there a sort of a, a tradition that goes along with with rum in Venezuela? Yeah, actually. Um, Yes, there is a particular style of rums in Venezuela. I'd say that the, you know, I don't know for what reason, but maybe it has to do, I don't know if it has to do with, with the brandy tradition there was back during the, um, the colony. Um, but the, so the, the fact is that the rums that are produced in Venezuela seem to be lighter rums than, for instance, in the Caribbean. Okay. So the, the Caribbean rums are heavier. Right. So they're of course they're a lot more uh, I guess funky. Yeah. Uh, and the and the other thing that the Venezuelan rums have is that by law you the minimum to be able to be called a rum they have to have a minimum of two years age in oak barrels. Oh no kidding. Yeah. So as soon as you have those two elements that go together, so, suddenly you have a a, a very a, at least in my opinion you have a rums that are that are a lot more sort of balanced and have uh, have all the elements of aged spirits, you know, that, that make them, I guess, uh, at least I, I prefer them. Do you do a silver? Or do you we do silver, yeah, but yeah. for instance, in... So it has to be aged two years. It has to be aged two years, so, so you yeah. filter. And yeah. it's like, a, it's almost like an oxymoron. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but but anyway, we do we do have two aged, two aged rum, that then is, you know, uh, silver. Yeah. Uh, so that's generally. The, I I always think it's counter purpose. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I never. I, never I, I the first time I learned that silver rum is often aged but, and then filtered. I was yeah. confused by that. But <laughs> no, the filter the filtering is basically to take the color out and right. to take all the right. so all the color from the barrels out. It doesn't change the flavor so much, huh? It changes it a bit. I'm it does. Sure it, it, must, it, it, it must. does change yeah. it a bit. It, it's a little flatter. Mm. It, you know, you lose some of the of the roundness, some of the body, yeah. when you take out the the color, because actually what you're taking it away is a lot of the tannins. Right. Oh, um, that makes sense. Yeah. So from sure. the wood. Sure. But uh, I mean, it's still a fantastic product. But yeah. but I always have that dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to take that, you know, that away from it? Right? Yeah. So it's a, a Solera product. It's a Solera yeah, process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, 1796. What we so when we came up with this this, this idea actually came from a challenge that my father gave to the organization. So the company was about to turn 200 years old, our first bicentennial in 1996. And he said, look, for that, we, we should be launching something that we'd never done before. So see what you can come up with. And of course, when, when you've been in the trade for so long, you sort of think, everybody was saying, okay, what do we do? So, so the first thing was, the first step was um, putting together a blend that would be very different to the blends that we had before. So there, that blend, um, we we started. Actually, the the the, the master blender came up with uh, different rums. Uh, there are about thirty rums in there. Um, that different rums, you know, like uh, uh, sort of, uh, I'd say, raw rums that go from. So so he started putting in like light rums, heavy rums, and then pot still rums. So we call them artisanal rums which those artisanal rums have elements of fermentation and um, distillation that are very different to, because so some are batch uh, fermentation, batch distillation, some are, uh, sorry, continuous uh, fermentation and continuous distillation, 
of course, all of those have different um, profiles. And so those, let's say, 30-odd ROMs, more or less with the three characteristics, then you put to age in oak, or you put in American oak, or you put in uh, French oak. And then the quantity of years, each one of those will change in a variety of ways. So the, the blend, the initial blend, is a blend that has all those different elements in that blend that make it uh, complex. And then the last stage was passing it through the solera. So the solera, we put it together in 1992 when it was first uh, filled with, the, we called that first fill the mother rum. And, and then for four years, that rum was in that solera. And now the, the solera barrels are all hogshead barrels. And, um, and so after those four years, then we started producing 1796 in 1996. And, that, um, and what happens with that blend, so the way... Well, ex the explain for anyone who doesn't know what solera means. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the solera, the way it works is, let's say you take a batch for X amount of bottles that are going to be produced. So the maximum batch that you pull out of the solera is half of the last row of... Ca not not casks. What do you call the really big barrels? Oh, the barrels. <laughs> no, uh, no, the, the, the vats. A vats. A vats. Vat. Uh, oh, these yes. are French oak vats. So the maximum you take out... Were, were they used to age wine previously? Uh, or, or no, never, actually, no. no, no I think they were, just, uh, they were just made originally um, uh, many years ago. It was quite a few years ago. And um, so the batch that you pull out of that last row of vats is maximum half of the volume of the whole row, right? And so then that... That, that row of vats is then, you know, the half that you've pulled out is filled by the second row, and that second row is filled by the, the first row. And then that first row of vats, that half first row of vats is filled by the, the fourth row of barrels that is actually the one that's closest to the floor, and that's why it's called solera, because suelo is floor, right? Oh, and so that. that, that <laughs> fourth row of barrels, yeah. of course, you've got half of that or less than half of that row of barrels that is empty, and that's filled by the third, and that third is filled so by the like, second. It's sort of like a waterfall. You exactly. Know, from the top, you add a little to this one, and a little it, this, and there's always some old stuff. There's always you know, a, lot stuff. Old stuff. a lot so of old stuff. So the, the minimum <laughs> that there is is half, or actually yeah. it's a bit, a bit more than half, uh -huh. but you don't always have to pull out. Um, actually, we, do, we, we, we prefer to build a new solera if, if you get close to the half range, right? So... Um, so actually, and so what goes into the solera once you've gotten to the first row of barrels, right, um, is a new blend uh, that we called relleno de solera, which is the refill of the solera. So this is, these, this is a new blend of around 30 rums that go from four years to 35 years, right? Wow. <laughs> and which are, which are heavy, light, and artisanal. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a, a big range of rums that have these three characteristics that are aged from four to five, 35 years old that is blended, and that goes in as the refill of that first uh, line of barrels. Is it fairly consistent year to year, the, the product? It is consistent, product? but it evolves. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Because basically these new uh, blends are basically, mm, how do you say that, um, merging right. with the old blends that have been going through the whole process. So you might have still quantities of this blend that is the original blend from, from 1992. Yeah. 
So it, it, it actually gets enriched and it gets um, rejuvenated every time that you have this, yeah. this small quantity of the new refill of the blend, the 35-year-old blend that goes into the... Yeah, I like so that word, a, it evolves. That's, it evolves, that's, that's, that's exactly. a great word, great word, yeah. yeah. I, I, I once had the opportunity to taste rum that was, um, it was the same juice, and one yeah. was pot still, and one was continuous still. Excellent, with us? It, no, oh, no, 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 it was, okay. it was with, a different brand. But, okay, um, okay. It was, I was shocked mind by the, it was mind boggling. The, the difference was incredible. It's incredible. It <laughs> is, inc well, actually, one of the things we do in, in the tastings with 1796 is open it up as, so we, we take, uh, for instance, uh, we'll take a, a four-year-old light rum, or we'll take a, 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 a funky, heavy eight, or we'll take an artisanal 10. By artisanal, you mean pot still? It's a pot still, exactly. Yeah. So you've got heavy and you've got light, but those are continuous. And then you've got the pot still, which is really, really funky. But also, we ferment it in a very different way. Oh, really? And that's part of the secret of 1780. Uh, well, it has to do with, with multiple fermentations. No, it's uh, just uh, more time. Okay. And, uh, and you just let it ferment. And so you've got multiple fermentations. And that, that gives it an even, you know, it's like a very intense um, taste to it. Okay. Um, and and uh, aromas and and of course you, you, that's just a little bit that goes in there. But then when you age it, when you age that uh, that artisanal that pot still uh, rum, then it evolves into something that's fascinating. But I mean, you can't have too much of it either. Yeah. So you know, it's sort of like strokes <laughs> on a canvas. Right. <laughs> and uh, so so then. Um, that always reminds me of macaws flying in the air. You know, it's like a stroke of color in, in, ah. the, in the air, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so it's uh, something like that. And, and, and then uh, when it goes through the solera process, all these edges are sort of rounded off right. thanks to the solera. And, yeah. and so what we do is you, you, not only you get these, well, some people call it ingredients, but there are different types of rums that is like a... Like a like a like a fan of of different colors on a pantone so that's part of the tasting and then then you take cuts of the whole process you know when you blend it when it when, like third row solera or or last row of the of the vats and and then you you you, you taste the end product and it's as you said before mind boggling because it's like <laughs> Where did this come from? Okay. You know, how so did it different. become this? It's so different, exactly. Well, maybe we should try. I've never yeah, had sure. the pleasure. So. Yeah, you haven't really. I haven't. Well, let me serve you. Please. One second. So, actually, what the cheers? Cheers. Luke. Someone was asking us uh, uh, maybe about four years ago, and how would you describe it? And with all the that complication I just explained <laughs> of the different rums that are heavy, light, and pot still, or if it's I don't know, Asian American or or yeah. French oak, or if it's uh, the Solera. At the end, it all sort of boils down to smooth, dry, and balanced. Mm. So it's a well, ba balance. That's the most important thing with yeah. any any cocktail or spirit or wine or you know even beer. It's it, it's all comes down to balance. Exactly, it all comes to balance. But when you have smooth and dry at the same time, it's difficult to balance it. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it has a little hint of that funkiness, mm -hmm. but it's that it doesn't it, it doesn't hit you over the head with exactly. The, with, it has to be very little, subtle. I don't know. It's, it's just, to me, it has a little, a little citrus flavor to mm -hmm. it somehow. Absolutely. Th those are the light rums. Mm -hmm. Citrus is, are the lighter rums, maybe four American oak. Yeah. Light rum. Right. Um, if you go into the, into the older, uh, sorry, the heavier, then there you have, for instance, uh, you can have ripe banana or you can have um, uh, even leather. 
Actually, yeah. that's more with the older older rums. Right. You can have leather and tobacco. Dark chocolate. Yeah. Honey. Yeah. Tobacco for sure. Tobacco for sure, right? Cigar. Yep. Cigar, cigar wrapper. Absolutely. Cigar yeah. wrapper. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Toffee. Sure. Licorice. Yeah, a little licorice, sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I, like that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I don't know. You know Paul Packle? Yes, uh, of course I do. Yeah. yeah. And I've yeah. taken many tastings. He, he does tastings often for us in, in New York. And, uh, yeah. But I, I love the way he challenges you. You know, he says, it's tobacco. What kind of tobacco? Is it a cigar? Is it the, uh, 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 oh, yeah. cigar? Is yeah. it the wrapper? Or is it the tobacco itself? You know, or the, you know, well, he, he challenges, you know, oh, it's citrus? What kind of citrus? Yeah. Ex- is it the, is well, it the, for me, it's orange peel. Yeah. And so actually, um, talking about Paul Packelt, I remember the first time he ever mentioned it, uh, 1796. Mm. This was, must have been around maybe 2000 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, we, he, he mentioned it at a competition we didn't even know we were competing at. Oh. And his comment was, rum's creme de la creme. Oh, nice. And that was, um, I mean, coming from Paul Packelt. I, I mean, we really admired him. Suddenly talking about 1796 was, uh, we couldn't believe it. it was, yeah. He made our year i think that's amazing <laughs> that's great he's uh, such a fascinating wonderful man oh amazing amazing <laughs> man yeah, amazing so you were just on a panel today what, yes. what was that about well it was about the spirits business that that works with purpose mm. um and basically it has to do with with helping others there was a fascinating panel with four people that have to do with amazing things uh one person had, you know, speed rack had to do with, uh, you know, helping for breast cancer. And then another, Josh, uh, who's from San Francisco, was is working on um, basically uh, helping people get through their studies and, and giving them, uh, how do you call it, um, scholarships. Okay. And, and they do it through parties and through hospitality. Another girl who's French, but she lives in South Africa, who works with uh, inmates, uh, teaching yeah. them to be... Uh, sorry, uh, I shouldn't say that. Ex-offender, ex-incarcerated uh, yeah. women right. um, in South Africa, teaching them to work in hospitality, teaching them to um, to be bartenders and to be people working in, in restaurants and yeah. cafes. And uh, yeah, I saw another, her yesterday at, an, at another event. Stephanie, yeah. Yeah. yes, amazing, amazing. so cool. And um, and in our case, in in our, in Santa Teresa's case, uh, it has to do with. Um, well, there's this project that we started in 2003 that was uh, due to a, um, a holdup, uh, gang members who entered the company. Oh. And, um, and so basically what we did was, in, we run, well, we, the police wouldn't do anything. So we, we went after them and we gave them the, an option to basically pay, f- you know, make up for, for what they had done. Um, so they started working and one of the guys that we had caught was a, a former gang leader. I don't know. He was a gang leader at the time, and um, and then a few days later, he asked if we could include another uh, couple of his friends, and so we, well, we ended up by recruiting the whole gang. There was 22 <laughs> guys, and then uh, and then from there, that took us on to actually, you know, since we wanted all the violence to stop, um, there's this gang warfare. So we we ended up by uh, recruiting the enemy gang. <laughs> wow, and, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and making them make peace. And then what happened there was that that word spread. And so we had about, uh, in a week's time, we ha- when, when that happened, we had six gangs queuing up. So since we've been recruiting gangs and uh, the, the murder rate has dropped, I mean, it was a very, very high, mur- it's one of the highest murder rates in the world. And we've been able to take that down by over 90%, maybe 90, 98%. 
down. So we went from 170 homicides per 100,000, which is huge. I think the highest in the states. I think uh, one of the one of the cities, one of the highest uh, homicide rates uh, is around 48 homicides per 100,000. Here we're talking about 160, almost 170 homicides per 100,000. Wow! And we took it down to 12 in, wow. the, in the first few years. Rome's um, changing the world. Rome's changing the world exactly, <laughs> and then that took us to uh, prisons. Yeah. So now we've got about 800 inmates uh, playing rugby. Actually, we use rugby as uh, a tool for for teaching values. So we focus right. on five values that actually, if you can live by those values, you can be quite successful in life, which are respect, discipline, teamwork, fair play, and humility. Wow. Um, or sportsmanship, you know, and humility. Mm -hmm. And and so and we've got about 2,000 kids uh, that are you know that are either gang members or about to become gang members playing rugby in, in our communities. So. That's so amazing. That's amazing. Rugby is quite popular in Venezuela? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but it is becoming it is popular not. now. So, uh, no, now, now we, I mean, we've developed a whole bunch of teams. Um, when we started a long time ago, there were about five teams in Venezuela. Okay. Now there are about 70 teams. Wow. And uh, the, the level has grown. So we've got in our community, which is not a—I mean, it's—it's a—it's a, it's a poor community, and in that community, we've got over 2,000 kids playing rugby. So we've got now the national team is comprised mostly of people from our community because they play rugby all the time, and we've got—we've got a big pool to to fish in, and they're fast runners. So they're yeah. amazing fast runners. Some people joke always, yeah, because they run with people's uh, belongings. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but anyway, these guys are are amazing, and and now you know the national team. So, the Alcatraz team—it's called Alcatraz. Uh, guess why? So the Alcatraz team now has been the national champion now for, for the last four years, and uh, on the national team we've got of 25, we've got about uh, 17 on the national team. Some are playing uh, internationally, uh, so it's very cool. It's very it's really cool to have these guys that never you know. Never thought they would go there, and suddenly, just last week, just this Saturday, actually, last Saturday, we had the uh, yearly prison rugby tournament, okay. and so we had 14 prisons playing playing rugby in the hacienda. Wow. So we have one day where where they can actually leave prison, come to the hacienda. So the way we like to describe it is their life is in black and white, and that day that they can leave the prisons. And I don't, I don't know if you know what our prisons are like in uh, Venezuela, but imagine. it's. Uh, I won't go into that. Yeah, but sure uh, it's, it's uh, you can not, look. Not look, a fun place to be. Not a fun place to be. It's, it's a, you can look it up in Google and you'll be surprised. Yikes! <laughs> so, is the the brands available in the U.S.? Yeah. It is available. It's available in in most of the key cities, but little little by little, we're we're um, broadening that footprint. Right. Um, so. Of course, in in Florida and uh, New York, Washington, uh, Massachusetts, uh, Illinois, uh, California, Texas. Yeah. Little by little, we're spreading out. So it's delicious stuff. How do you like to drink your rum? Just uh, neat, on well, the rocks, or in a cocktail? Well, all of the above, <laughs> and all of the below. <laughs> but actually, the one you know, if I if my um, how do you call it? Uh, like the the proxy drink, the one I I always prepare, yeah. Yeah. Um, is um, on a big uh, cube. Mm -hmm. It could be a cube or it could be a, a sphere. Yeah. Basically, it's two to one with sparkling water. All right. And a an orange peel, a swath of orange peel, nice. and you know, with uh, you know, you press the orange twist, peel, yeah. a twist. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's amazing because the orange peel, you know, you talked about uh, citrus 
before. Yeah. So it speaks back to it and it gives it this depth that is, uh, it's amazingly easy to, to drink. So I imagine that yeah. sounds delicious. <laughs> well, it's so great to meet you. Oh, thank you so, so much. So, so yes. great for this. Thank you very much for this interview. Oh, Brett. it's my pleasure. No, no. Thank you so much. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Let's have some more rum. Delicious stuff. Santa Teresa rum. If you ever get a chance, I hope you'll take the opportunity to try it. Great, great stuff. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I was invited to a nice event at a brand new bar called My Friend Dukes. And I didn't want to take up too much of his time as he was hosting a party in his bar. But we talked briefly with Zach. Uh, My name is Zach Pease, uh, owner of My Friend Duke in uh, Kipps Bay, Manhattan. Um, Opened a few months ago. Everything's uh, kind of a cocktail bar, large for the New York scene, about 150 seats. Um, we, you know, 25 foot ceilings, uh, pretty classic cocktail menu, all originals, but all kind of riffs on either classics or modern classics. Um, very much in the Petrosky style of bars, uh, you know, bars where everything is juice fresh, um, all, uh, all fresh ingredients again, but all very much rooted in the classics. The thing that differentiates us, I think is our food is pretty exceptional as well. Um, mostly locally sourced seafood, um, you know, everything, uh, from our, uh, you know, the, the fluke we get from Montauk, uh, all of our oysters are as far north as, is pretty much just Rhode, Rhode Island, and that's it. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much kind of what we're going with here, just kind of classic hospitality and but more of a kind of a modern, upbeat setting. Awesome. Well, it's a, it's a gorgeous space. We're here on the second level, which overlooks the first, and it's just a gorgeous setting up here on the, on the second floor. Yeah, thank you. That's, I mean, the, the, the mezzanine and the skylight um, were very much what kind of set us on the space. There's very few standalone buildings left in Manhattan, and so to get one that you can put a bar in is uh, is pretty amazing. And we figured we'd never get another chance uh, to get a space like this, and so uh, it very much is what prompted us towards this area, which I would say is not a traditional area for cocktail bars. But um, you know, as times change, I think people's tastes change, and that's very much what we've been noticing in this in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll mention we're here on Third Avenue between 27th and 28th, which is like you said, most of the cocktail bars are down on the Lower East Side. You know, but, um, it, you know, the world's ready for a great cocktail anywhere now, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, everyone that was used to drinking sports bars, and, hey, there's still, a, a you know, a time and a place for a sports bar. Um, but people grow up, and they, they want different things out of their night. Um, and they might want to take a date out, or they might just want to meet some friends after work. And that's very much what we're, we're the vibe we're going for here. If you want a great old-fashioned, get a great old-fashioned. But if you want a beer, we're super happy to serve <laughs> that as well. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> So you spent a lot of time at Attaboy, yeah? Yeah, I was there for uh, just about six years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty amazing. You know, they gave me a shot when they first opened, and um, uh, I got my ass kicked for a lot of years. Um, learn, you know, start from the bottom, work your way up. Um, but it was uh, definitely in colors everything that I do in terms of bartending. Um, you know, it was uh, definitely an honor becoming a bartender there. And then, obviously, as they've had more and more success, um, you know, you take a lot of take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, of course. Did you get a chance to work with Sasha at all? Or? I didn't. I knew Sasha, but um, uh, you know, but didn't work at Milk and Honey. Um, and then he had already moved Milk and Honey by the time Attaboy opened. So um, knew him to say hi to. I was at the last night at Milk and Honey. Um, you know, friendly with certainly, but uh, unfortunately never got to work under him. Just under Sam and Michael. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's amazing how much he changed. You know, the cocktail scene. It's incredible. You know, and I, I had the honor to go to um, San Antonio Cocktail Conference couple of times and it, you know his legacy is just still felt within the industry so much yeah it's pretty remarkable i don't know who said the quote but i think someone said anyone who's had a properly made old-fashioned anywhere owes sasha petrosky a thanks and i think that pretty much sums up his impact on the uh, on the industry yeah right right well man congratulations it's a beautiful place and uh wish you all the success in the world awesome thanks
Cheers. That was a fun event. Great, great drinks and great food. We'll put up a few pictures from that on bartenderjourney.net. Hope you're subscribed to the podcast. If you're subscribed, you get the brand new shows as soon as they become available for free. Download it to your phone automatically. What a deal. I've got one more interview for you from Tales of the Cocktail. We'll do that next time on the Bartender Journey podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Cheers. Cheers.